This episode of the HR Locker podcast is sponsored by HireLocker.com. If you want to pre-screen all of your candidates making an application for a new job, sign up to a 14-day trial of HireLocker.com, pre-screen all of your candidates, and only interview the best. Your 14-day trial starts at HireLocker.com. I'm your host, Aaron O'Connor, and in this episode, we are talking talent management. Companies are spending huge amounts of money hiring, training, and then trying to retain their talent. And for that reason, we've brought in our expert. My name is Maria Ganan. Um, I'm originally from Limerick, and I started off my career in Dublin working in a number of recruitment agencies um, charged with kind of sourcing talent for a number of companies in Dublin. Eventually, I set up my own recruitment business um, with a few colleagues in 1999. Then I moved to Australia and I spent the last 10 years in Australia um, working with another, another number of clients in IT, financial services, manufacturing and FMCG to advise them on how they can attract, retain and develop their talent to meet business requirements. Talent management. It's a bit of a vague term. So I asked Maria what her definition of talent management was. Um, talent management, well, for starter, it's a, a hate jargon, um, but to a simple person uh, like me, what it really means is having the right people in your organization who are in the right roles to drive business performance. Um, most organizations spend their time in acquiring the right people, but then hope that they will find a way in the organization and progress naturally. Um, they're encouraged to apply for jobs, but really expect them to meet all of the requirements for the rules. That's not talent management. Talent management um, needs to be managed strategically, and those high-performing organizations who do it well focus on what the organization needs to reach its business goals, and from there, it works out what roles and what skills are required. It's not easy um, to be effective at talent management, but with CEO support, it can definitely happen, um, and it can make a big difference to your organization. So if talent management can make a big difference to an organization, what are some of the big issues that need to be dealt with when it comes to talent management? One of the kind of key issues that we're facing around talent management, and I think um, there's, there's three big ones um, that I'd like to share with you. And the first one is, I believe that organizations are very much focusing on filling roles and not really thinking about strategy around talent. So, for example, you know, in Australia, um, we're enjoying, you know, a very strong growth rate of 3.5% per annum. And you know, over the last 10 years, um, you know, we really have had low unemployment of about 5 to 6%. However, when it comes to talent, organizations in Australia are very conservative and, and risk adverse. Uh, and over the last few years, I've been meeting with a few clients who are complaining about how much money they're spending on attracting and training new employees to organizations only to watch them leave kind of 12 months later. So from the work I've kind of done, it looks like you know, new employees join the organization and then they start looking around internally for the next goal. But in reality, um, they're looking for the clear opportunity uh, they were promised at their interview. So, you know, when they approach the manager and ask them if they could look at other roles in the organization, uh, they're then told that they don't have the skills or experience for the role. So the reality is they just realized that they were hired for that one job. In Australia, what we're facing is a very competitive market, so there really is no shortage of opportunities. Um, I think the second kind of issue people are facing, um, we're facing in talent management, is really a lack of leadership capability. 
Uh, I mean, in your own environment, I mean, how many people do you see who get promoted uh, to a manager of people because they're good at their current job? And I've seen that so many times uh, in my career where people who are good at technically at doing a job in IT or finance or HR have become promoted to um, HR leader of people. Um, so, you know, leadership might come natural to some people. The majority of people, you have to, you have to develop it. An organization needs to develop and spend more time in building capability before they make them leader, not after the fact. And that's what actually happens. And that's the biggest issue that I think we're facing around talent. Um, the leader doesn't know how to manage people as a leader. They know how to manage um, outcomes. So the leader needs to know how to manage high performers, how to manage solid performers, but most importantly, how to coach them to get the best out of them. So if you can imagine, um, when you have people who have different levels of experience in your team, different expectations, you have to coach them differently. So for example, a high potential employee you know, might love the idea of presenting to the board um, a white paper they wrote um, on um, the business, where a solid performer would hate the idea of that and would prefer to work on a project. So a leader needs to know how to harness the skills of the individual um, and make sure that each individual has a development plan to get them where they want to get to. Get to. So it's being more strategic um, around um, what each individual needs and not applying a one-size-fits-all one approach to how we manage people. Um, and also, I think the reality is most leaders have never been shown how to coach employees for performance and have never been taught how to manage talent. So it really is up to organizations before they appoint somebody into a role as a people leader is educate them and support them to understand the importance of managing people, focusing on talent. Because if, if, they, if an organization aren't serious about attracting, developing, and retaining their talent, um, they, will lose their, they will lose their high potentials, and over time, they'll lose a lot of their staff. That's kind of a other issue. And for the third issue, Darren, that I wanted to kind of share that I've experienced in, in, over in Australia is um, if talent management needs to shift from, from the HR to the business. Um, my understanding from working with clients in Australia is talent management is a HR task that HR do once a year. So HR will organize a talent review meeting where we review the performance and potential of all of our employees. And normally it's led by the heads of HR, and they do a fantastic job of doing that. Um, what I'm seeing in Australia is very much a shift towards if you want to see some real progress, the conversation of talent needs to be with the head of the business. So the role of HR needs to shift to giving the business the talent data on their on their employees. So telling them, you know, Maria's performance levels, Maria's engagement, um, her potential, her drivers, her areas for development. Giving your leaders the, the talent data and having leaders have the conversation um, with executives, not HR. And, and by doing that, you're moving responsibility from HR back to the business, and that's where change happens in the business, not with, not with HR, um, because ultimately, it's up to my leader to promote me in the business, not HR. So it's really important that the role of HR starts to shift um, to moving away from being process um, support to the business to being creative around analytics, analytics and data and developing leaders um, to be able to coach um, employees of the business. So should organizations generally plan ahead for talent management rather than just carry on and when you hit a roadblock, uh, now you address the issue? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, the most successful organizations, and they're saying organizations that have a highly engaged workforce are those who are kind of over 65% on engagement. They say that um, those organizations, the heads of the business are very clear on where the business is actually going. And they can verbalize and communicate to heads of HR as to what our vision is for our business. And then the heads of HR get involved to understand, okay, what does that mean from a talent perspective? And they work in partnership. So that's really, really important. So some organizations are going two, three years ahead. And there's been research done in Australia. The companies are actually creating job descriptions of roles that might exist in three years' time and looking at their capability in the business, saying, you know, who could do this role for us in three years' time. So absolutely, it's key that you look forward ahead. And what effect does that have then on the workforce if, you know, you are, you're almost creating jobs three years ahead of where you are at the moment? Well, it's, it, creates, it creates a vision for employees. Um, when you join an organization and you're told, you know, this organization is progressive, we have a very clear strategy to be a leader in our business in the next three to five years, we also have a strategy for our talent. We know exactly what talent we need in three to five years, and we think you have the capability to help us get there. What a great conversation to have with a new employee joining your business. This can only lead to a higher level of engagement and performance of an employee if they can see the bigger picture. Everybody wants to see the bigger picture. Um, and if you can't see the bigger picture, people end up leaving because they don't feel they have a bigger purpose. So it's really important that companies focus three to five years out. It's very, very difficult. Um, but even building the skeleton of it um, could definitely help any organization. And how big does an organization need to be to kind of address these issues? Well, it's down to resources because um, talent management um, is really for organizations that are very serious about talent. The smaller organizations, you know, by nature of their size, should know all their employees. So over 100 employees, you know who they are, you know where they want to go with their careers, uh, you have open conversations because it's very manageable. Um, so it will naturally evolve and talent will naturally progress within a smaller organization. But in a larger organization, you need to have more of a structure in place. Um, and you're looking at at least kind of going over to the, the thousands above employees to put a structure in place where talent becomes um, an agenda item on the executive strategy meetings. If it comes at that level, um, that talent is taken very seriously. That's where it's play out. The larger organizations have the resources to invest in having people dedicated to talent management. And can you give me an example, Maria, of uh, a situation where uh, your skills were needed? Well, one of our one of my clients that I worked with, um, they face significant challenges um, in attracting and retaining talent in their organisation. Um, they have in Australia we face an ageing workforce, and this client we're going to lose about twenty percent of their workforce in ten years, but actually fifty percent in twenty years. So we had to start building talent for the future, um, but while also trying to support their aging workforce. Um, but it's very challenging because um, when they were hiring the right people for the role, they were also losing people as um, there were blockers in the business who held those nice senior roles. So I worked with this company to create a high potential program. Um, and what that really means is picking people in the business who we, who they believe, have the motivation, the skills, and the capability to be the next generation um, leader in the business. 
each individual um, was then invited to join the program by the CEO. The CEO sent an email out inviting each individual to join this high-profile program. Um, they were then invited to undertake some psychometric, psychometric testing, which everybody loves, <laughs> to include you know, abstract, verbal, and numerical testing. We then organized each um, individual to have a one-on-one -on -one interview with an organizational psychologist um, to assess where they sat against our leadership model. So we knew very clearly what the gaps were in terms of the leadership potential. Uh, and from there, once we had all that data on their talents, we then worked with the client to create a two-day leadership program where we invited all the executives and the CEO to come in and share their journey of being a leader and also giving them exposure to the wider business issues and getting them to solve some of the issues that are being faced in business right now. Uh, we also assign them with a mentor in the business. And the idea behind the mentor, Darren, is for each emerging leader, as we call them, to have someone in the business who would be their advocate, somebody who would say, you know what, I think you should definitely support Maria because she's putting in the extra work. Or I think, well, Maria doesn't have the, the experience to the role, she definitely has the capability. So we tried to create an environment where it was all about advocacy and sponsoring, not just mentoring. Um, and the great thing from this program at the end of it is we create every quarter, we presented a, a report to our CEO, uh, a talent report um, outlining, you know, how our um, high potential were progressing in the organization, focusing very much on talent data. So what was their engagement levels like? Um, where were they in terms of performance ratings? Where, was it, where were they in terms of abilities, aptitudes? And this kind of really changed the conversation that our CEO was having with our executives around talent. It was a really great program. And what was the outcome? Well, I think the outcome from that was we were so quickly able to promote people from the program into senior roles. We had very clear KPIs that we would say we want to have X amount of people promoting, moving into the next level within six to 12 months. Um, in the first 12 months, we promote 25% of people to the next level without having that experience behind them. Um, so it really was um, strong support by the CEOs, executives saying, you know, we think Maria can do it, let's give her that chance. Or I think if we didn't have that program in place, we would have lost people because they wouldn't have got the opportunity to showcase themselves in front of the executives. And so it made a really big difference for us in terms of talent to be able to move people faster throughout the organization and also have those new people working with our aging workforce to transfer knowledge. That was really important, one of the ultimate aims of the, of the program. So it was really, really successful. It's good stuff. Um, for anybody who's listening to the podcast and they kind of feel they have some sort of a, a similar situation in that they, they know they need to structure, um, particularly in-house, to grow the talent that they do have. What, what advice or what steps would you recommend that they take now after listening to this podcast? I think it all starts with leadership. Um, it's really, really important that um, you can bring in the best talent in the world and you can send them on development programs and you can give them sponsors. But if you haven't got the right leaders to support these individuals' developments, they're not going to stay. So it all starts with the senior leaders. It's very much, you know, get, get your data on your senior leaders, understand their skills, their experience, um, and assess them against your business strategy. I mean, if you don't do that, it's a guessing game, and you're hoping that your senior leaders will have the, have the expertise to 
um, to bring your business forward. So the suggestion I would make is, you know, if you haven't done already, is to invite the leadership um, team to undergo the psychometric assessment, similar to what the high potential do, um, and to really give them the chance to hear some very good development feedback for them, uh, and then organize um, the heads of HR to collate the data um, under you know, different headings in terms of, you know, here's our business strategy, here are the individuals in our business, and here's the capability gap. And then share that with the executives. Say, you know, here's an actual picture of our talent in the business. Here's our gap. Now, what do you want to do with the business to move forward? And really start focusing more on the data. That's really, really important. Um, and one of the key takeaways I'd focus from this, from this session. Maria advocates a new way to look at managing talent. In Australia, um, the sporting industry really has a good handle um, on talent, as I'm sure uh, in Ireland as well. Um, in exa- for example, in Australia, um, we produce five world champion aerial skiers. Um, and I've always kind of wondered, um, how is it possible to have five champions of aerial skiing when the average temperature in winter is about 16 degrees and we don't actually get much snow. We did some research and Jackie Cooper, who's an Australian champion aerial skier, uh, was charged with building talent to compete in the 2014 Winter Olympics. And she had a very clear talent strategy um, on how she planned to produce the next generation of aerial skiers. And the three things she focused on, which was stunning to me, was the people who aerial ski had to be, had to be happy to live away from their parents um, had to be a good gymnast and didn't have to be able to ski. And I really couldn't believe that. And maybe think differently that, you know, in the Olympics um, 2014, we actually won two gold medals. What an amazing achievement. So it makes us think that we should all think differently around talent um, and that we can learn quite a lot from, um, from the sport, sporting federations and industry. So what you're saying, if I understand it correctly, is that... Uh, the technicalities of skiing can be taught, but Absolutely. but you can if you can pick the right person who has the right mindset. Uh, you can grow them to become a champion. Absolutely, it's nothing about skiing. It wasn't about the technicalities of being able to ski at a club. Uh, most of the people who uh, won the gold medals actually practiced um, on grass or on the water. So it's amazing, right? So I think it makes us all think differently about um, really opening our mind that you don't actually have to hire someone who is exact fit for the role. You can really challenge your thinking and focus on what competencies can this person bring to the role. So I just think it's a really good example that we should think about. Thanks again to Maria Ganan for taking the time to talk to us about talent management. Now, the good news is Maria is making the trip home. She's coming home from Australia on a permanent basis. And if you would like to reach out to Maria, she says, feel free to email her anytime. If you have questions, if you'd like a consultation, by all means, reach out. Her email address is m-a-i-r-a-g-u-i-n-a-n-e at gmail.com. As always, I'm your host, Aaron O'Connor, and it has been a pleasure creating this podcast for your audible consumption. If you enjoyed this episode of the HR Locker podcast and you got some benefit from it, please go ahead and give us a rating and review in iTunes. It makes all the difference in our podcast getting found and it encourages us to go ahead and continue creating these podcasts. 
Just search for HR Locker in iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Go ahead and subscribe. And we will catch you on the next episode of the HR Locker podcast.